Hi, I'm Carmen. I'm a fellow ADHDer. I'm a certified ADHD life coach, and I'm also a teacher, and I'm the host of this podcast, Authentically ADHD. I created this podcast in order to help me reach my goal of helping as many ADHDers as I can to thrive instead of just survive. Are you ready to jump in? Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to the show. And if you are new to the show, welcome to the tribe. Today, we're talking about something a little deep. Talking about shame. Have you ever felt shame? What about guilt? If you haven't, or if you don't claim to have, in the words of Brene Brown, you might want to check on that because you might be a sociopath, but I'm just saying, you know, in her words. So this book is, uh, or this book, this podcast is based off of um, some things I've been reading in. Um, Brene Brown's work, and I'm going to link her website in the show notes and in the description of the video because her work is phenomenal and amazing. Um, But it got me thinking about how guilt, shame, and humiliation and embarrassment, um, you know, have to do with ADHD and how they impact it. So I know that if you're listening to this podcast, you have probably felt guilt shame, embarrassment, humiliation before because these emotions are primal and there are actually 12 specific areas of life that we are more likely to feel shame. So why talk about shame? If you've been listening to this podcast, you might know what I'm about to say, but why talk about shame? Because when we are in shame or feel shame, it does not fuel our actions very well. In fact, it usually, in my experience, fuels spinning, avoiding, something we call buffering. I have an episode on that. Um, it's just doing anything else but what you're supposed to do. Um, and, you're, and you're just avoiding and procrastinating, which never in turn produces the results that you want in the end. So today we're going to talk about shame, guilt, and a theory um, and the four key elements of shame and shame resilience. So it's a tool to use to against shame, um, and that is coined by Brene Brown, which I will also link in the show notes. There's also a freebie to follow along. I will also link that in the show notes and description. So this way you can become more resilient to all the things happening, to shame, to scarcity. You can become more resilient um, in your life and you're able to live more of a full life when you become more resilient to feeling shame. Because shame is a learned, it's a learned feeling. Um, And we'll get to that. It's located, shame, it's located in the prefrontal cortex along with the rest of our emotional regulation, which is great. If you couldn't hear my sarcasm there. Um, Yes, our prefrontal cortex is usually, it's not developed um, 
as much. Uh, it's those of us with ADHD, you know, it's, it's a, we have less of a developed prefrontal cortex. It's smaller and it doesn't work as well as a neurotypical um, brain's prefrontal cortex. So the fact that, you know, shame is, and guilt and all that is up there um, doesn't really work in our favor. <laughs> this is why growing up with ADHD makes us way more susceptible to shame, which drives disconnection, which is not good because connection is a vital human relational need. We need to feel connected to other people. So when we feel shamed, we don't, shame drives disconnection. And I think those are Brene Brown's words, but they are very awesome words. Shame drives disconnection. If you've ever thought about something that, that has shamed you before, you've gotten made fun of at school, all the kids are laughing, maybe at somebody else, and maybe it's not at you, but you look at that person and unless they have friends that are standing up for them, which usually those types of people don't, um, it's driving disconnection right there. You can see it in a small group, such as a child being bullied or, um, you know, anything that could be similar to that. Um, and like I said, connection is a relational need for healthy relationships. The antidote for shame is actually empathy and connection. And we will get to that. So there's 12 areas where shame is more likely to be present. Some of these may surprise you. Some of them maybe not. None of them really surprised me. Um, but here they are. Appearance and body image. Money and work. Motherhood and fatherhood. And that doesn't mean just being a mother or being a father. It also has to do with not being a mother or not being a father. Family, parenting or not parenting, mental and physical health, addiction, sex, aging, religion, surviving trauma, um, and being stereotyped or labeled. Just to pause there for a dramatic effect. So the shame that is that I'm talking about, we we all feel it. If you don't, again, I want to check on that. But this is the only time that shame's like a good thing to, that you say yes, I do. I do feel shame. And we are all afraid to talk about the things that make us feel shame. Why wouldn't we be? Who likes to talk about yucky things? I don't. Do you? I don't know. Um, and it, it, the less we talk about it, the more it has power over us, which when I learned that, it was very, very disheartening because I was like, oh, okay, I have to actually deal with this, but it's okay because we're going to. So let's first just, um, I'm going to go over this a little more deeply later in the episode, but guilt and shame are two different things and we tend to group them together. Guilt is an okay emotion. We're not going to label emotions in my podcast. I'm going to try not to do that um, because emotions are experiences to be had, not problems to be fixed. Happiness is not a destination and I'm not going to keep quoting to you now. Stop doing that. Um, guilt is I did something bad. I'm a good person. I made a mistake. 
or, um, and shame is different than guilt. Shame is, it drives disconnection and it's corrosive to our self-worth because it more is encompassing of ourselves. I am a bad person. So guilt is I am a good person who made a mistake. I did something bad, but shame is I am a bad person because I did this bad thing. The good news is that shame derives its power from being unspeakable. So if we speak shame, it's one of the ways that we can go against it. And uh, I will be getting to that a little bit later in the episode. And then the shame resilience that I will be talking about is a continuing practice. Like a lot of the things I talk about, it's not like some one and done overnight. If you could show me somebody who fixed their life like that, please, I would love to meet them. I would love, love to interview them and get all of their overnight tricks that they did so that I can make this faster for all of us. So, shame. Like I said, we all have it, men and women. Uh, Women have the most trouble with worthiness and the areas of motherhood and looks and um, stereotypes and things like that. Men have shame. And when they speak it, they get shamed for their shame. I'm sorry, women. We do. We shame the men. I, I didn't I didn't know this, but Brene Brown opened my eyes. When a man speaks his shame to you, you you have to be compassionate. We we want so bad, so bad for men to stay that like they are a stallion saving us. We want to be still the woman. We may say we want them to be vulnerable, but when they are, let's face it, basically they're they're not called nice names. It's just it's just what happens, um, and and they don't get shamed by other men as much as they get shamed by women. And this is based off of research from her book. This is straight facts. Men said this to her all over the world. Um, we hurt each other, men and women. We all have this deep shame, and the messages and experiences of shame differ by gender, race, equality, uh, quality of life, etc., etc., mental health, physical health, all those things. And the experience is universal. We forget that a lot of the time. Um, and we need to do it together. We need to combat shame together. And women, women and their shame we get caught in like a a whole big knotted web of shame because perfectionism sinks in we are judged if we're mothers and then if we're not mothers we're judged why aren't you having kids why don't you have kids if you only have one kid why aren't you having more children if you're not married why aren't you getting married the gender stereotypes like My hand is raised right with you. If you don't see me, if you're listening to this, my hand is raised with you. I understand how we never feel enough, how we don't like to feel exposed, how we hate to fail, how we sometimes just cannot find our way to the seat at the quote unquote cool table. And we, we feel the most shame. 
the most shame about our looks. The way we look right here. Right here. I didn't want to record this podcast on a video today, but I did. Because I said in your podcast, it says, still to this day, after all the equality and body positivity, we are still focused on this. That's sad to me. It's very sad. Um, so I I put the video on and I said, you know what? I don't I don't really care what the video looks like. I'm just gonna do it because I think I look good. If you don't, go find someone else to listen to or just listen to me. You you don't need to watch me. So motherhood is a close second. Again, this is all based on research. And I will um, link the website in the show notes so that way you can <clears throat> look at all the research that Brene Brown has done. But motherhood, whether you have children or not, this is because of the societal expectations. Again, we're supposed to grow up and be mothers. Why? Why is that the expectation? Why can't we grow up and maybe not be a mother to children, but a caretaker of dogs. And, you know, we teach kids and coach people of all ages. So we are influencing the world. You don't have to have kids to influence the world. And if you are a mom, you're judged on every single way that you do it. And I'm so sorry. I personally am not a mother, but I don't agree with people who say that you should or should not breastfeed or that you should or should not this or should or should not that. You're the mom. It's your decision. As long as you're not beating them or, you know, killing them, it's your decision. You are their mom. What you're doing is what's best for them. And we get caught up in the shame of other people in, in motherhood. That's, those are the two tops for, for mothers. We're not supposed to fall apart. Um, good mothers, at least. Um, basically universally failure equals shame. Shame is being wrong. Um, and showing fear is wrong and it's, it's shameful. That's how it's viewed in society. I am a bad person is what shame means. Men are stuck in a box of shame. They don't want to be perceived as weak or soft. They want to be open and vulnerable, and we plead for them to let us in all the time. I've been guilty of this, and I'm actually working on it myself. Like I tell you guys all the time, I, I work on this stuff with you guys right alongside of you. Um... But those moments, we actually don't treat their shame the way we, sh we should be treating it. Um, and we get scared. And that's, that's not okay. So, one of the quotes from the book was, if you, and a man said this, if you as a man can fake vulnerability, you've got it down. How sad is that? So, I know I don't have to tell you this next part, but ADHD already makes life harder. 
with the experiences that, we, that differ across each of our different lives. With ADHD, those experiences are so often that it affects how we see ourselves and how we see other people and how we see challenges and how we feel about facing challenges and all of that bases around shame. We don't have a lot of social skills. We mask our entire lives, which is pretty much hiding ourselves, our true selves, which is the opposite of being like you're full of shame if you're hiding yourself all the time. <clears throat> we never felt enough because as children, we were taught to hide our vulnerability because it's what the adults around us did. So we just did what they did. Joy and gratitude are two of the antidotes, antidotes to um, being able to start living into your, your values again to build some shame resilience. We struggle with joy because we struggle to know our worth. We are worthy just because we're here. We have a lot of scarcity in our culture um, and, and we're not grateful for what we have a lot of the time. So getting past that first like vulnerability, like, Ugh, I feel naked. Um, and getting the real emotion is, is one of those, one of those things that we struggle with. We also struggle with perfectionism. It's unhealthy. It's not striving to be your best self and it's destructive. And then it's addicting because perfection doesn't exist. So you never reach it. And it's also someone else's perception of you, which you can't control. Why again do we engage in perfectionism? Recovering perfectionist, recovering people pleaser. Um, and so it's based off of per perception and feeling shame. One of the antidotes to this is mindfulness. It does not always have to be sitting still. So please don't fast forward when I say the word mindfulness because that's always what I thought. I always thought it had to be sitting still or being at peace. It's more about paying attention to your emotions without avoiding them or bypassing them, but also not like over exaggerating them and like overindulging in them, just noticing they're there and validating them. And like, it's okay to feel this way. It's okay to feel sad if somebody said like, they didn't like your hair or like, oh, ew, you did your makeup bright pink and purple today. Like gross. I don't like people's glasses. Just pay attention. Why wouldn't you feel sad if somebody said something like that? Because shame, disconnection, and isolation are the unhealthy and automatic coping skills for people with ADHD and especially the comorbid disorders of anxiety, sometimes depression and other things like CPTSD and insomnia. And I could go on, but that would take a long time. I have an episode on it. Isolation is very detrimental. It can lead to deep depression. And we are really susceptible to this because of our emotional dysregulation and all the cognitive distortions that we have. And then if we also ruminate, it, it makes it a lot harder. 
pair this with being told that you're doing things wrong. You're too much, too loud, too this, too that, etc., etc. As you grew up from the people who care for you. They didn't mean anything by it. I'm not blaming them. They didn't do any of this in order to make us feel shame. This is just what happens as you grow up from your parents to your aunts, uncles, teachers, coaches, people in the media, people just in your life and passing, people talking to other people. They don't even have to be talking to you and you can pick up a message like being thin is, is the cool thing or the thing you need to be. And that's, again, it all influences the thoughts and emotions that we have about ourselves. And it can influence shame. Um, the older you get, especially if you're undiagnosed, the more shame that you are at risk of experiencing because the feeling of shame can range from forgetting your keys to being ashamed of your own thoughts and emotions. Even shame for just being who you are especially with ADHD. Shame is one of the most primitive emotions. We all have it, and people who have ADHD feel it's stronger. It's just magnified because attention deficit is actually just a regulation disorder. So, here's the thing about shame. <clears throat> it's toxic, it's corrosive, and if you live in shame for too long, it affects your ADHD symptoms traumatically because it is traumatic to feel shame because it means I am bad and you start viewing yourself as bad for everything. See, the issue here is that we are using the incorrect terminology. Remember how I said the difference between guilt and shame? Because humanity tends to use shame, guilt, and humiliation and embarrassment interchangeably we use all the four of those words those are four different words think about it when i learned this it made a lot of sense i actually wasn't that mind blown i was mind blown that i didn't realize it sooner why we were doing this because they do not mean the same things each one of them has their own definition you ready for them shame means i am bad due to my actions or who i am guilt i am a human who made a mistake or did something bad Embarrassment. This is a fleeting emotion. Fast in and fast out. Usually we don't feel it for very long and it's something we don't feel alone because other people do it a lot. You know, it's because we know that other people have tripped too and fallen into a puddle or other people have spilled all over themselves before. So embarrassment is something that's fleeting. That one doesn't get interchanged as much, but humiliation is another emotion that we mix up with shame. Humiliation is actually based in our own perception of ourselves. In healthy individuals, they do not believe that they deserve the humiliation. Like, it was so unfair for that person to degrade me in front of all these people. But if your self-talk agrees with the critics and the people who don't have very nice talk to you, and if you don't have very nice self-talk, then if it's also ongoing in your environment, it can quickly lead to the shame talk of, it's because of me that this happened. I am humiliated 
and I deserve to be yelled at in front of all these people. Or I deserve to berate myself into doing a task and not maybe like rewarding myself afterwards. <clears throat> like I previously stated with ADHD, we have emotions that are magnified due to our lack of self-regulation and our low emotional literacy skills. We don't know a lot of emotions. Think about it. Try to name 20. Like pause this for like, pause it for a minute and think, see if you can like list 20 different emotions. Because I couldn't before I read that Atlas of the Heart by Renee Brown, which again will be linked in her website and you can find it. I think they're all available on Audible and um, Google Play Books as audiobooks and you can order them off Amazon. So when we do not identify, address, process, and feel through the shame, we are so much more likely to develop depression, anxiety, and more crippling symptoms that inhibit us from reaching our life goals. They just, it just does. So I know I've been real throughout this episode and I always, you know, I promised you a strategy and I always keep my promises. Now I want to preface this by giving credit to Brene Brown's work because a lot of it is used to explain the concepts in this episode. Um, and she coined, she coined the shame resilience um, theory and the four key elements of it. And again, I'm going to link everything in the show notes because there are, all of her books are amazing. I have listened to them personally. I've listened to them all more than once and I'm a big fan. So how do we develop shame resilience? I'll tell you right now. I am in the middle of developing my own shame resilience and it's not easy, but it is worth it. It is, you know, I don't like to waste your time. Your time is very valuable to me. And I love that you click my podcast to listen to. That's why it's so important to hit that follow button, to hit that little bell, to rate and review and share the podcast if you find it helpful and useful because this, this doesn't get out enough. This doesn't get spoken about enough. It really doesn't. And if I can get it out to more people, my heart would just be so happy. That's what brings me my dopamine friends. I mean, it is like my half birthday right now. We're in June. Oh no, it was my half birthday in May already. Oh my goodness. I cannot believe I'm almost going to be 32. Wow. Okay back on track if you didn't just see my ADHD right there. <laughs> All right. So this theory and all the elements have been created by Brene Brown. Now, what is shame resilience? I'm going to read Brene Brown's definition right from the book because honestly, I don't know if there's anyone who could have written it more eloquently than she did. It's on page 30, 136 in Dare to Lead. Shame resilience is the ability to practice authenticity when we experience shame, to move through the experience without sacrificing our values and to come out on the other side of shame, experience with more courage, compassion, and connection than we had going into it. 
ultimately, shame resilience is about moving from shame to empathy, the real antidote to shame. That is a big, big, big aha to me. And I hope it is to you too, because the way that she writes is so eloquent. I, I couldn't have written, written it any better. So shame resilience has four key elements, but it's also, it also heavily relies on self-compassion and self-trust. You have to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to believe that you're enough and you have to believe, and you have to believe that your story deserves to be told. Do you think I could have started this podcast if I didn't believe that my story deserved to be told? Because I believe your story deserves to be told, just like I believe my story deserves to be told, which is why I created this podcast. Um, you have to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to, you have to be a person who believes they are valid enough to be heard by those who have earned the right to hear their story. Speaking shame quiets it so fast. And these are Brene Brown's four key elements of shame resilience. And I'm, I am going to include some examples of my own here and there to help you kind of understand what it looks like. Again, there's a freebie in the show notes that you can use and write on or use look at it and use the questions. If you want to dive all the way into all of this, I would just suggest uh, using the link in the show notes to buy um, her audiobooks or her regular books, whatever way that you like having them. I own Dare to Lead and um, one of her other books that I forgot because my memory is not great um, on both um, uh, Google Play books and um, I have paperbacked and all, you know, you know. So here are the four elements. One, recognizing, naming, and understanding our shame triggers. This took a while for me to recognize. Took a while for, it took a while for me um, to realize that I had triggers for shame. And my triggers for shame were being a failure, receiving criticism, and um, not being good enough. And I also had triggers that I've gotten over, like negative comments uh, um, and things like that. But they were all about, again, my looks. And another one is me not being a mom. I feel like I don't have the right to say that I am so busy when I'm not a mom. And there's other people that are way more busy than I am. So two, number two, identifying external factors that led to the feelings of shame. So what happened that made you feel shame? What did this person say that made you feel shame? I have felt shameful before when my friends give me feedback. Sometimes it's just because of ADHD and our rejection sensitivity, we magnify it and we just we make it too personalized sometimes 
Number three is connecting with others to receive and offer real empathy. If you don't believe that you practice real empathy, I am going to go into this in a future episode because I started to explain it and I was like, this could be a whole episode, so I'm not going to do that right now. But there are different ways that you can figure out how to connect with others to receive and offer authentic empathy. And number four, again, the biggest thing that kills shame is speaking about our feelings of shame with others. Sharing our feelings of shame with others. I I used to feel shame that I recorded a podcast about ADHD. When I tell people that I do that, they're like, that's so cool. And I used to feel shame about it. Why? I have no idea. So, again, just for a little recap, because you know, sometimes our brains need that. Shame resilience is recognizing shame and knowing its triggers, practicing critical awareness and knowing reality so that you can identify the external factors that are leading to your shame. Number three, reaching out and connecting with others to receive and offer that empathy that we need. And number four, speak your shame to kill it. Because that's what we want to do, right? So make sure you click all the buttons and you can catch the freebie in the show notes. You can sign up for a free coaching call with me in the show notes. And you can also find a link to sign up for none other than Kristen Carter's program. Yes, Kristen Carter of the I Have ADHD podcast. She has a program that's called Focused and it's for adults with ADHD and it's super ADHD friendly. And if you use my link to sign up, you get money off and so do I. So it's like win-win. That's all I have for now, friends. Stay authentic and I'll talk to you soon.